Welcome to Learn Something New Every Day. I am Joan Boyko, Coordinator of Communications and Community Outreach for the Palm Springs Unified School District. We are here each Sunday at 6.30 a.m. and 99.1 FM KGX and 9 a.m. and 92.3 FM KWXY. We also invite you to download and subscribe to our podcast. It is really easy. All you have to do is go to iTunes, look for you learn something new, press subscribe, and you will get a new show each week. This show, of course, is produced by my dynamic duo of student interns here in the Digital Arts Technology Academy at Cathedral City High School under the direction of Mr. Bryce Johnson. And though they have officially graduated, our interns have graciously stuck around for a while to produce our summer shows. So thank you, thank you, Jasmine Rivera and Myra Canseco. I can't say enough for how wonderful you've been for the past year, and we truly appreciate your hard work. And today, I am very pleased to welcome a first-time guest on the show, our Coordinator of Transportation Services, Bob Spinoza. Welcome, Bob. Good morning, Joan. Thanks for being here, and uh, should have had you on before this, because it's been a while since you've been in this position, but I'm glad that we're finally able to do it. How long have you been with Palm Springs Unified, and in what capacities? I've been with Palm Springs since uh, October of uh, 2015, and I took on this position in uh, July of 2019. And before that, you were in nutrition services? Yes, I was an operations manager over in nutrition services. Awesome. So describe your role as our coordinator of transportation. Okay, my responsibility, we have over um, uh, 90 routes that we deal with, with both general education and special ed students, covering four different cities that are under the Palm Springs Unified umbrella. We ensure kids get uh, the school safely and get returned home. We also provide trips to uh, sporting events for our students in the afternoons. And soon, hopefully, we'll be providing uh, local field trips during the daytime. Those are some of the major things that we're doing on a regular basis. And certainly, everybody, uh, and mostly the students, have missed the field trips, that's for sure, since uh, March of 2020. We haven't been able to do those, but as we record this show, things are looking better. So hopefully at some point during the 21-22 school year, we will be able to bring back field trips. So that's really good news. And just to be clear, um, you used the, uh, the term we when you were talking about uh, the bus routes and all, but let's be clear that our district contracts out for our transportation services. So talk about that. Right, we contract, we've contracted for a number of years with uh, First Student, they're a, a nationwide company, but they handle all transportation related to students. So we utilize them, there's approximately 125 staff and they do the routes and uh, ensure that they go smoothly and they have the licenses and they maintain safety on those buses. Excellent. And um, and I know they've been doing a great job. Uh, you said we've we've contracted out our bus services for a while. It's been a long while because I've been with the district for 21 years and it's been at least that long. <laughs> so I, I don't I guess at one time we probably had our own bus fleet, but it's going back a long ways. 
Correct. Uh, we, we originally started with laid law and then first student bought out laid law. And so it's been first student for, as you said, well over 20 years. Right. So so here we are, middle of July, and um, this summer, the district has had a more robust summer program um, than we usually have. And that's uh, primarily due to the pandemic and the fact that our students did not those who did return at all didn't return to school until after spring break so we're uh this summer bumping up the offerings so that we can get as many of our kids back in the swing of things as possible and kind of uh see where they are and help them get to where they should be so in in terms of transportation we don't usually provide any summer transportation. Is that correct? Well, it's normally been maybe three or four schools. We provide some minimal transportation. Uh, however, this year, uh, 25 out of the 27 schools that we have will be operating a summer school program. So we will be actively involved this year with trying to get children of all ages back to school and, and finish up in the summer and can uh, participate in these programs that are being offered at the different facilities. So we will be running right from hybrid directly right into summer with really uh, not much change. So that, that will start on June 7th and- uh, Wait, uh, Bob, I will, um, I'll come, I'm gonna cut you off for a minute because um, not every one of our listeners, most of our listeners know we record in advance and you're talking uh, future tense, and the truth of the matter is, is that we've been doing this already since um, since our summer programs began on June seventh. Because here we are, today's July eleventh. So oh. uh, that's okay. I'm just um, just just to be clear, it's uh, it's actually as we're here, July eleventh. Some of our programs have already uh, concluded. And um, because a lot of those happen during the month of June and a little bit into July. So if, if students were, are eligible for transportation during the school year, and we'll talk a little bit later about who is eligible, but if they're eligible for transportation during the school year, they were eligible for transportation during the summer as well? Yes, that is correct. So I'm sure, obviously, not I'm sure, obviously the roots are uh, uh, smaller than they would be during the school year because we don't have as many kids in summer programs, but you have um, maintained the, the same bus stops or did you change them for the we're, summer? We're, we're maintaining the, all the bus stops, except we may not have as many buses going out but we're going to hit all the stops because some of the schools during the normal year require many more buses. And since the numbers for summer school are much less, we'll still do this, uh, those certain stops and then we'll, uh, we'll, uh, we'll continue on and uh, pick up even some of the kids uh, we are picking up now are kids that may be a little bit outside the transportation zone and we're able to do that because of the smaller numbers. So we are making adjustments just to get our kids into summer school. 
Excellent. And so uh, were the parents notified if they would be eligible for transportation or not? Yes, once we received the, uh, the list, we notified parents what stop would be closest to their uh, home. Most of them would be familiar with the current stops that we have, but we still notify them to let them know because some of the times may have changed based on the schedules that are now running during the summer. Gotcha. That makes a whole lot of sense. So when we resume for the 21-22 um, school year on August 4th, uh, will will it be business as usual for the most part with transportation? We uh, we envision that we will have more students being transported since we're the plan is to open it up to all students. We should go back to what as close to normal pre-COVID. Um, so that's our that's our plan. So we'll be running all our routes uh, starting on. Uh, first week in uh, August. Okay, so, and, and just to be clear, when you say all students, you mean all students who are traditionally eligible for transportation because we do not provide transportation for every student. And in fact, at the high school level, we don't, unless, I'm, unless that's changed, aside from a, a few remote areas, we don't provide transportation for high school students. Is that correct? That's correct, except we do have one route in North Palm Springs that we have been doing now for close to two years. That is the only one. Otherwise, all the other high schools, uh, the students are expected to get to school on their own. Uh, but middle and uh, um, middle schools and elementary schools all are eligible if they fall within the transportation zone based on where their physical address is. So are those um, the, those transportation zones that you're talking about, are they based on distance and, and or um, how many students we have in particular areas? Like how do you decide who's eligible for transportation is based on, you know, you have to live further than a certain number of miles from the school? Um. Years ago, they did it primarily just on distance. And then prior to my arrival on the scene, uh, they they changed it up. And now it's now it's based. The, I, I don't know what the exact system that was used, but what we're doing now, we're reevaluating all the areas because as time goes on, people shift where they live. And sometimes mm -hmm. there's large groups of students that we're leaving out where we're now making adjustments to the mapping so that we would be able to include them in the route because we want to try to get as many kids in school as possible so if we have high populated areas or new subdivisions get built we look at those areas to see if we need to put a stop there where that may never have been there before so we're kind of looking at it based on where the population lives right that makes sense and so you are essentially, I mean, you're, you're of course, our liaison between uh, the district and first student. Do you, um, so do you work with them to um, map out the route for the, for the buses? Yes, uh, we go over those routes 
uh, daily. We we also have a firm that does all our mapping here for the district. So we what we do is we go out and look and see all the students in the database and see where they live. And we look at the mapping and then we look at the bus routes and we say, OK, there's and we we have changed um, in the last year, probably four different schools where we've enlarged the boundaries because something got added and now there's a huge group of students that live there. So what we do then is we come up with new stops that we merge into the ones that we have and then we get a, approved by the Board of Education and then we follow through and notify the parents that there is a stop now available for their student. And do you know about how many of our students are transporting? There's between general and special ed, we're looking at probably close to 3,000 on average. And um, do we transport all of our special ed students? Uh, all special ed students who have uh, transportation in their IEP plan uh, that's done at the, at the school sites, uh, they would automatically get door-to-door -door service. Some of the special ed kids do not qualify. So those either parents bring them or they get there some other way. But most of the ones that we bring to school are transported via bus, yes. Gotcha. And um, if you're just joining us, you're listening to Learn Something New Every Day on KGX and KWXY. And my guest is Palm Springs Unified's Coordinator of Transportation Services, Bob Spinoza. We're just talking about generalities uh, regarding our transportation services, who gets transported. And uh, it's got to be a major job, Bob, to oversee 90 routes um, buses on a daily basis. I mean, it's not a job I would want, that's for sure. But I want to I wanna backtrack a little bit. So when our schools closed in March of 2020, of course, we didn't need to be transporting kids, not need. We didn't transport kids because there wasn't, there, there was nowhere to transport them to because we, uh, we went to uh, distance learning for a long time. It was over a year. So, but at the beginning of um, the pandemic, uh, th through the, the creative thinking and making the most out of resources, you and our Director of Nutrition Services, Stephanie Bruce, found a great use for our bus drivers. And we kept them working that way for a while. Tell us about that. Yeah, when, when, when COVID hit, it was quite a stun to the bus company because they're so used to de delivering the kids. So what we did is at that time, and we still do, we prepare uh, meals for families, and we're doing that to this day. And so bus drivers helped to transport the food to the various sites, and some of them also participated in handing the food out. And uh, that went on throughout the whole summer. And then when most of the staff came back in the new year, they took that over, and bus drivers started doing some uh, transportation again. We hope with this summer, because this summer is a pretty, um, been a pretty large amount of schools open that we, we are using uh, bus drivers also to help supplement because we're still going to do some food distribution. So 
those that may not be driving will also be helping out uh, with the distribution of food again. So I didn't realize you, you I learned something new today. Uh, and that's the name of the show. You learn something new every day. Um, I, I knew that the, when we started the meal distribution for a couple of weeks, it was actually a daily distribution and the drivers were bringing food to each bus stop and some of the families were picking it up there. And then we, we moved to weekly distribution at the school sites and didn't deliver to bus stops anymore. And I thought that that was that the drivers were then, I don't know if they were on furlough or what, whatever. I didn't think that they were um, participating in, in the uh, food distribution. That's great to know that they, they still were throughout all of this. Yes, when we, when we stopped going to individual sites and we started doing school site locations for the meals, that's when those that were not needed to drive bus were then assigned to a site and help the staff at the site to distribute food to the families. Well, that's great because uh, we needed the help and we kept them working. So, I mean, that's, that's fabulous because, you know, you, you, most people are not fortunate enough to get a paycheck and do nothing. That doesn't, <laughs> that doesn't jive, yeah. right? So yeah. um, that's and were, great. And they were very thankful, Joan, that they had a chance to work. Oh, I can, I can, I can only imagine. I mean, I think we, we've all been, those of us who did not have to, uh, you know, lose their jobs or, be on furlough is certainly extremely grateful to be working. So that's great that we were able to um, utilize them in a way that benefited everybody. So that's, that's great because when, um, you know, the weekly food distributions, if you're listening and you haven't needed to take advantage of that service, it's, it's huge. And as the pandemic went on, it got bigger and bigger because so many of our families are at the poverty level anyway, even when they are working. And of course, when they're not, it gets that much worse and there's a huge food insecurity and our families rely on the, um, the meals that their kids get in school. And without them being in school, we still provided those meals every single week, didn't miss a beat. And it's just really, it's really impressive uh, when you look at every sector of the district and how every one of our, uh, our managers and their staffs just stepped up and said, I'll do whatever we need to have done, whether it's what I usually do or not. And so thank you, Bob, to, to, for your leadership and, and also, you know, the first student team and our drivers, because they certainly have helped out tremendously and, helped, you know, served in roles that they don't typically do. Yeah, so, they, were, they were pretty amazing. And I, I can say that we were doing in excess of 6,000 um, meals and more when we first started. So it's tapered off a little bit since people have started to go back to work, but um, right. it, was, it was quite a quite a task to get everybody fed, but we did it every week. 
Yeah, and we had we had Stephanie on um, recently. Uh, Stephanie Bruce is our director of nutrition services, talking about the robust summer meal program because you know typically there's only a couple of school sites that have summer school, but this year we have. You said you know 25 out of 27 of our sites have have a summer school going on and uh, kids get fed every day and uh, at those sites, plus the community sites that they do, like, you know, the barbecues at the park and they even do service in the East Valley for like the Boys and Girls Club of Mecca. And uh, it's, it's just amazing. So Bob, um, what, once we, uh, we, began to be able to bring our kids back in small groups in learning hubs and small group instruction we resume transportation for for those kids if they were eligible correct we did kids that were eligible and some that weren't eligible because it was such a small group that we we're bringing back and some of those students were struggling with connection issues and uh, distance learning wasn't working for them. So we were trying to get them to school to assist them so they would do better in their subjects that they had to go through. Yeah, and, and talk about the, the extra health and safety precautions that went into um, making sure that traveling on the bus was safe for the kids. So once we knew we were gonna start transporting, uh, we held trainings for all the drivers. Uh, basically what we're doing is we're, uh, we've got certainly signage on the outside of the bus that masks are required to ride on the bus. Every student that gets on the bus gets a, uh, some hand sanitizer to sanitize their hands. Uh, we were making sure that people were socially distanced on the bus loading from the back to the front and then re in reverse when we went to drop off at the school site. In addition, we were opening up the um, windows on each side of the bus because one of the things was to provide better ventilation uh, for the buses so we did that and it really was a saving grace and we we never had an issue and students basically came right in line with the process and parents were helpful when we get to the stop people had their masks on so it it, it worked out really well that's great to hear. And uh, so as we prepare for the reopening of our campuses on August 4th, how will parents know if, uh, especially if they, you know, their kids in kindergarten and they've never had this experience, how will they know if their child is eligible for transportation? They're going to get a, every year, they, parents get a welcome letter, whether you're a new uh, you're moving from kindergarten to first grade or whatever grade you're going to be in. And it kind of explains where your new stop is and if you're eligible. And then it also has a whole page just on the rules of the bus. And that's mainly to keep kids safe and ensure that we get them there and we want to get there there timely so that we meet the school schedules. So parents will get notified um, probably through their, in addition, through their school site, but they also get a letter from transportation. So they're, they're certainly aware of uh, when they need to be at the stops and what time we'll be returning the kids back to the stop each day. 
And that and that comes a couple of weeks before school starts? Usually a couple of weeks, yes. Okay. Okay, and before we run out of time, um, I think I, I, I might get the name of the program wrong, but before the pandemic, probably, I, I would say probably, well, it was shortly after you started in your position, you started a, is it called Philistine program? Your, your, uh, it was called the MTC program. I was close. Okay. MTC <laughs> program. <laughs> um, explain what that is and also whether you think we're going to resume that. Um, we may possibly resume that. We haven't done it this year because we knew our numbers were going to, we, we didn't know how sure we were going to be. But once we go back to normal operations, hopefully in August, what it was was if your child is just outside of the border of the transportation zone, but yet the bus is only an extra block away. And if we have room on that bus, we were allowing uh, children to jump on that bus as long as it was going to their school. We did not create extra routes. I think we accommodated maybe last year about uh, pre-COVID about 20 students that it really totally benefited the families to get their kids on the bus because they had no method of transportation to get them to and from school. So of course it's based on, you know, if the route has additional seats available, like I'm sure some of the routes are jam packed and you can't, you can't expand um, kids, more kids, regardless of whether they're only a couple of blocks away from that site. Is that correct? Well, if, if, if the, if the border cuts off, and what the way the borders work sometimes, it sometimes cuts off on one side of the street and the other side is yes, transportation, and the other side is no. So if that bus is going to the same school, we will allow those kids to get on, on that bus. The other but are, there, are there buses though that are, uh, you know, they just don't have additional seats available because, you know, every kid who's eligible rides the bus? Well, the way the program went, we never got to the point where we were, we ran out of seats. We always had seats available. The buses were never overcrowded, the ones that were asking to be put on buses. So those were never overcrowded. So, so did, they have, did they have to ask or did they just show up? No, they put in a request. It was online through okay. the district website and they, and they sent their, um, um, they sent their request in and we reviewed it. And if the bus had room, I contacted them and let the parents know that they were welcome to start riding as of a certain date. Okay, so if and when we resume that program, we'll, uh, we'll let our families know through uh, the district website, social media, and their schools that we, we can um, accept those applications again. Is that yes. right? Yep, okay. We sure can. So that's great. And finally, um, if we have any of our parents who uh, experience issues related to transportation in general, like, you know, I think I should get it, I don't get it, which I'm sure that's the bulk of your calls, or um, they might have uh, a concern with their 
student's driver or the way the student's driver is driving or you know anything like that do they contact you or do they contact first student well it's a little bit of both most of the time my number's been pretty well publicized now and i'm pretty visible at most of the sites i visit sites every week to see how things are going and i get a lot of parent calls asking bus questions or issues with drivers or the bus they saw the bus speeding or whatever it may be we investigate and i do follow up with every parent uh the same day if possible if not the next day okay so let's uh let's share the number uh where can parents reach you parents can reach me at 760-325-8774 okay great and then your email my email is r as in robert my last name is spinoza and that's s is in sam he is in Paul, I-N-U-Z-Z-A at P-S-U-S-D dot U-S. And that is also listed on the district website under transportation. Excellent. Bob, you're on a tight ship and you're on a great ship and we're grateful to have you. Thank you for everything that you do and we'll have you back sometime during the next school year to give us an update. Okay, Joan, thanks for having me. Our show airs each Sunday right here on KWXY and KGX. Our podcast is uploaded each week. Please subscribe by going to iTunes. Look for you learn something new. Press subscribe. Please tell all your friends to do the same. Thank you so much for listening. Thank you, Jasmine and Myra. Thanks again, Bob, and we'll see you next week.